Welcome to this podcast for Thorax Journal Club. Today I'm talking to Dr. Anne Joseph. Dr. Joseph works in the Department of Medicine at the University of Minnesota, and we are discussing a paper that she recently first authored in Archives of Internal Medicine, titled Chronic Disease Management for Tobacco Dependence. Dr. Joseph, thank you for taking the time to record this podcast. Could you start by explaining why tackling tobacco dependence is so important and perhaps elaborate on why smoking cessation is so difficult? Well, tobacco cessation is very important because um, it is got huge health benefits, uh, both in the near and long term, including prevention of heart disease, lung disease, um, and cancer. Um, so it's a very high priority. It is a difficult thing to do. Nicotine addiction is um, uh, a perplexing problem that is a combination of both physical dependence on nicotine and also some psychological patterns that build over years of, of smoking. So the best and most effective interventions actually work on both ends of that. And what did you do in this study? In this study, we compared two um, treatment options for uh, individuals who were cigarette smokers. The control group was actually the standard of the science kind of intervention. So it was an eight-week uh, program that combined nicotine replacement therapy, and that was in the form of either nicotine patch or nicotine gum or lozenge or a combination of those two, with behavioral counseling. And that was delivered by uh, telephone for a period of eight weeks. And that's been shown to be efficacious in, in a number of different studies. What we did was to compare that to a longitudinal intervention where rather than stop at eight weeks, we continued for uh, 12 months or for a year. And the reason for that is that we know, even though that, that standard of care is better than non-treatment, we know that lots of people do fail and relapse to smoking. Um, so the chronic disease management model was intended to incorporate the likelihood that people might either relapse to smoking or dabble in, in cigarettes again. And rather just than just turn around and let that happen, we were anxious to try to um, help build on the, the interim successes that they might have possible reduction in the amount of smoking that they might have had in the interim period and relaunch them, if you will, on another quit attempt. Is there any way of predicting which sort of individuals are more likely to, to relapse? It's it's difficult um, it's difficult to say when you first meet an individual smoker whether they're um, likely to relapse. But the re overall, the likelihood of relapse is quite high, and that's why we think it's so important to incorporate a plan for that in the um, intervention. This intervention was designed to be similar to what you would do. Um, in clinical practice for somebody that was, for example, trying to lose weight or get their uh, get high blood pressure under control or get diabetes under control, it looked at the process as kind of a stepwise um, uh, a stepwise one that might require some adjustment or tweaking or change in medications um, along the way. If you were just a betting person, obviously looking at the numbers, you would think that most people actually would relapse. And we know that on average, a successful um, quitter takes about five attempts to to be successful. So that's why we think it's so important to um, have a plan in place for, for that relapse. What were your main findings? 
our main findings were that the intervention group, um, so the the folks that got the long-term 12-month um, care, were more successful in accomplishing long-term abstinence than the um, more traditional or discrete episode of care by a factor of about 1.75. So um, that's that's fairly significant, and that's using a stringent um, definition of success where we measure that they had been um, had prolonged abstinence out for, for a period of time from when we stopped talking with them. So they were out on their own for six months before we measured that outcome. Do you think this is a cost-effective model that should be widely introduced? Do you think it's something that physicians do well already? Well, we we have compared the cost between the long-term care intervention and uh, traditional intervention. And as you might guess, since it goes on for a longer time and there were more visits and uh, telephone visits, but still more visits and more medication, it is more expensive. In um, looking at cost-effectiveness analyses, however, for smoking, um, in general, there is a huge margin because the benefits of smoking cessation are are really so large in terms of health that we could afford to spend quite a bit more and still be cost-effective in terms of um, in terms of intervention. I do think that that how to integrate this information into clinical practice. Um, probably is the you know proverbial call for for more research. This was a very attentive kind of um, uh, intensive intervention that lent itself, we think, to telephone care because um, people were in contact sometimes you know more than than once a week or at least every couple of weeks when people were in the midst of um, their quitting process. And that, of course, doesn't lend itself that easily to coming in for a face-to-face visit with a healthcare uh, provider like a physician or even a um, nurse practitioner. And we think this can be done very well over the phone. So to integrate it into clinical practice, the, the practice would either have to have that sort of services or perhaps we could test the intervention in the kind of quit line management um, care that, in, at least in the states, that we have um, available all around the uh, country. That's great. Dr. Joseph, thank you very much. Thank you. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.